Hey, it's Tim Young in the building. Won't you tell me how you're feeling? Listen, I'm so excited to be here right now, inviting you to Pop Gospel Speaks Radio, our online radio station. I want to take the time to tell you a little bit about us, provide you with our mission and our values, okay? PGS Radio is a listener-supported platform created to inspire worldwide audiences to abide in, connect, and share the gospel. As a diverse community of speakers and artists, we are committed to delivering authentic content that cultivates growth in relationships, purpose, and the word of God. Our values, PGS Radio values service in providing opportunities for messengers of Christ to have access to larger audiences. It is our aim to present thought-provoking perspectives, real-life experiences, wisdom, and knowledge through music and conversation. If you are interested and want to be a part of us, please contact info at popgospelspeaks.com. That's info at popgospelspeaks.com. And please tune in right now, today. You'll hear something amazing. Popgospelspeaks.com. I'm Tim Young, and I'm so happy and excited to see you there. Welcome into Other People's Shoes. I like to say the living room edition. Uh, we moved out of the studio. We've grown so big in this last month of March of madness and everything that comes with it. And we've had to come out to the living room now. So welcome in. I, I wish I had some like tranquil music maybe to play in the background, maybe some spa music. I do actually like that from time to time, just just for the record. But I want to welcome in my guest today because I'm really excited to sit with her. In fact, we always ask people like, how should we introduce you? And this is her exact words. I'm going to read them to you. Here we go. You ready? She's a wife, boy mom, Jesus follower, children's ministry and here's the one that we're really going to have to like kind of take a minute on. Friend. Help me welcome in my guest, Nicole. Nicole, how are you? I'm good, thank you. So you say friend there, and I, I'm really wondering on this. Are you really friend for Team Elizabeth, or are you more friend Team Neil? Definitely Team Elizabeth. Why is everyone Team Elizabeth? Not one time somebody has said... Team Neil, just for the record. Just one time. I just I just want it to happen just one time. You got to get a different crowd, Neil. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I got to get a different crowd. Couldn't have said it better myself. Nicole, thank you so much for coming by today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And I'm I'm just excited because I, I feel like when I come across people that have a very powerful story, I think that story needs to kind of just be shared and explored and talked about and, you know, obviously bring people along to be encouraged and maybe even changed. Would you, Absolutely. what do you think? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, uh, I know you're ready for this because you said you've listened to some past shows and so, you know, you know, it's coming. So here we go. You ready, Nicole, what style of shoe do you love to wear? There it is. Neil, I don't have a favorite style of shoe. And that saddens me. We need to work on that too. Like Team Neil and your style of shoe. Do you, well, whatever's by the door works with the outfit. Okay. Yeah. Maybe in the car. Are there shoes in the car? Yeah. Rubber boots in the car. Always. Well, often. Right. Because you are a 4-H mom. mom. 
And I've even heard you have some accolades when it comes to 4-H'ing, right? Mm, we don't talk about my accolades with 4-H'ing. Okay. All right. But yes, back in the day. Back in the day, like what, like help me out because I am a city kid, right? I honestly didn't even know what, what 4-H really was till I moved to Eagle Point. And, you know, we hung around your family, your, your in-laws, my good buddy, Nick and his family and Christy and those guys. So I didn't really know what 4-H'ing was. In fact, here's a crazy story about Nick because I'm going to tell on him. We'll see if he really listens to this episode. So I put things in sometimes as a, a little tease to see if they really listen. All right. So there was one night I was out at his house and you're familiar with where that is kind of out on, on the, on the highway out there. Right. And for whatever reason I go to leave and it's dark, pitch black, dark. And there's no lights on his driveway. And all of a sudden, I'm going down the driveway, and there's an animal in the, in driveway. the driveway. And I don't know if it's a cow. I don't know if it's a uh, a bull. I, I don't know. But I called Nick, and I'm like, hey, um, your thing is in the driveway. And he goes, in his Nick voice, what do you mean my thing's in the driveway? I'm like, I don't know. Your animal, It's a, I'm, not, I'm not sure what it is. It's a cow. It's a, I don't know. But it's in the driveway. It's blocking. I can't get out. And he's like, well, just go around it. I was like, I can't. It's in the way. And so he was mad that I didn't stick around to help wrangle or put it back in. in. Like I definitely would have expected you to help put it back in. I I wouldn't even know how to do that. (laughs) Fair enough. But so in the future, help put the cow back in fence. Gotcha. So your accolades back then were what? Like what what was the highest accolade you got in 4-H? Are you allowed to talk about that? So after 4-H, I was part of FFA. Okay. Which is Future Farmers of America. Well, yeah, kind of, okay. but not anymore. Right. Um, and so I was on the National Champion Livestock Judging Team my senior year. National Livestock Judging Team. Yes. What does that involve? I, I Just real quick. What was that? Um, so we would go from county fair to county fair, and we would sort the animals, and we got scores based on how much our judging lined up with the officials judging. And then we would have to give reasons and explain why we placed them the way that we placed them. So nationally um, meant that we had won both here at our county and then we'd gone on to our state level and we got to judge nationally. So That's pretty fantastic. So you know what a good looking steer, cow, same thing. Mm, Very different, different. but yes. You know what they look like. You know what a good... Should, yes. should look like and should act like and should be like. Acting doesn't matter Okay. when you're going to eat them. All right. <laughs> she said that with a very straight face, by the way. So, Nicole, I know you're, you know, you're from, uh, you know, the Eagle Point area. You grew up in this area, obviously, right? Yes, I grew up in Gold Hill. Gold Hill. Okay. So, um, if we were going to come hang out with you, which I have hung out with you and your husband, which he's amazing and your kids are amazing too, um, if I was going to come and hang out with a day in the life of Nicole, what would be something fun we would go and do maybe together? I'd bring my wife, of course. And so maybe we have like a double date with, you know, you and your guy. Something fun that we would do together? Yeah, yeah. like as couples. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, my favorite thing to do together with friends is just to sit around the dinner table, have good conversation, let our kids hang out and get to know each other, be in real relationship. That sounds fun. Yeah. Good cup of coffee, maybe? Sure. All right. Coffee. All right. Just checking. All right. I mean, maybe not at dinner time. But right. 
Elizabeth doesn't drink coffee, which I still don't know why, but I know so weird to me. Anyway, so getting into this, uh, I'm in this series now of how do you see me? And so my question that I really want to lead off with for you is like someone seeing you for the very first time, maybe first impression, what is something that somebody's going to notice about you maybe right away? Um, something somebody's going to notice is that I have my hands full. I am on the go a lot, multitasking. Um, usually have one of the three boys with me all the time. So that's something they're going to notice. Right. So you mentioned your three boys. Uh, which one's your favorite? Just kidding. You don't necessarily have to answer that. But no favorite. No favorites in the kingdom. No favorites, right? But you love being a boy mom, right? What 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 is something uh, that maybe somebody who's not a boy mom maybe want to understand, or or you could help them understand about being a boy mom? While I was never expecting to be a boy mom, I grew up. It was just my mom and I for a long time, and when I was twelve, my sister came along, so I hadn't had much experience in the whole boy, wild, crazy, hands-on world. Um, and so I would say roll with the punches. Like, don't be afraid to let them be boys. They're going to get dirty. They're going to make messes. They're going to break things. But it's okay. That's what they're supposed to do. Yeah, I always I always wonder about that because my mom uh, was also a boy mom. And then uh, my cousins came to live with us when I was like, you know, 11 or so. And then she got to be kind of that, you know, girl mom and I've never really asked my mom like what would she have wanted to be more right the girl mom or the boy mom so that makes me think maybe I got to go ask my mom that question so uh so that's cool I love that I love hearing about that and so here's my question Uh, another question for you is is there a moment that you have struggled with as far as feeling like you needed to be perfect in because you know I, I we mentioned, you know, children's ministry. You, you've been on staff at the church now for a little while. I would imagine that people have this idea and this concept that Nicole's life is perfect, that Nicole's never made a single mistake. Maybe she's made a few mistakes, but but really deep down, she's never really struggled or, or made any mistakes. So maybe dispel that for us. Yikes. I hope <laughs> that nobody that knows me thinks that about me, Neil, but... Yes, it does come with the territory of being on staff at the church. There's always, um, I think, that mindset until somebody gets to know me on a different level. I've never been one to shy away from sharing my testimony or my struggles. I believe that's truly how we grow and we change is to know that other people have gone through it before us. Um, and so, yeah, there's always that, am I, am I doing good enough? Am I a good enough example? Do you feel like there's ever been moments in your life that you weren't maybe that good enough example? Um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. On a, <laughs> on a regular basis. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. can you give me maybe one, like, uh, I know, you know, you're, you're probably still connected with a lot of the friends from high school, I would imagine. Right. Cause you never really left the Valley per se. Right. I actually don't have any contact with anyone from high school. Holy smokes. You don't. Oh, that just blew everything out of the water for me. So here's what I was thinking. Like if you bumped into somebody, you know, I don't know, Winco, Costco, whatever it may be, right? Target. I don't know if you shop there. But but if you bumped into somebody from high school who knew you maybe back in the 4-H, FFA days, whatever, Mm -hmm. and they were like, man, you're totally different, which I hope most of us are when we leave high school, right? I mean, theoretically, that should be taking place, right? But 
if they ran into you, what what do you think what do you think they would remember most about you in those high school days, perhaps? Oh, high school was hard. Everybody says those are the glory days. Those were not the glory days. Um, I would definitely say that. Um, yeah, I've changed a lot. I don't know that they would get that in the moment, um, because it's in passing. However, um, they would definitely remember that I. I had my fair share of being the mean girl and being clicky and um, having baby right after graduation and not getting to walk with my class and a lot of things that my senior year that came about that I could be remembered for. So you weren't able to walk because you had a you had a baby. You kind of just like snuck that in there, almost like, oh, and I no. have a baby. You know, not that you were trying to be deceptive by any means on that, but you, you know what I mean. Like it was just like, oh yeah, and no, I wasn't able to walk because I had some serious senioritis going on, and I didn't have the credits I needed to be able to walk with my class on time. So I, by the time it was time to walk, I had all the credits that I needed, and I had my diploma, but I didn't get to participate in my graduation. Baby didn't come till January. So do you think in, in any way, if people knew the deep down kind of underneath the surface, again, you said passing, they're probably not going to get that, right? If they bump into you at Costco or wherever. But I'm wondering about that. Do you think, do you think they would remember you for that moment maybe? And then now look at you now and go, wow, what, what happened? Like, I know that's not a like aisle six, maybe conversation. That's more of maybe a sit down at the table as you were discussing, you know, kind of conversation. But, but to me, what a challenge that must've been being a senior graduating. And then, Oh, by the way, uh, I'm going to have a baby, you know, in like eight months or so you know, from, from the time of graduation, like how does that all transpire? Yeah, I think looking at me now, I would say getting to know my family and seeing the dynamic that we have in raising Brayden, he's now 18. Uh, that's, yes, I said he's now 18, which is wild, but um, getting to see the dynamic that we have with his dad and stepmom and that relationship that we have together um, and knowing just that we didn't let it hinder us in any way. Um, but definitely, I think if that's what they're looking at, then they're going to be stuck there. They're going to be stuck back in high school. Yeah, I I know so many people, and, and I've been guilty of it too myself, that high school was the glory days. That's when you were at your best, maybe your your peak performance as an athlete, or you, know, you were younger, you were more spry, you know, your knees didn't hurt, you know. You didn't go to bed with aches and pains and, you know, you, I have gray hair now. I, I don't think I had that in high school. Of course, I had braces back then. So, you know, I don't want to trade that. But uh, or anyway, but but my thought is, 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 you know, how hard was it for you walking out of high school knowing that not only are you walking out with a diploma, but now you're walking out and you're going to have to be a mom? Like how stuff how how hard was that? Well, if I'm being real honest, it took me a long time to accept that and to admit that. I um, I hid it for a long time until it wasn't able to be hidden anymore. And I was going to genuinely try to pretend like it wasn't happening. And so um, when all of that came crashing down, that's when reality hit. And that was, that was hard. Um, and 
you know, it wasn't something that I took lightly. I definitely had to look at that and really recognize what it was the direction that I was going to go and I was going to be a mom and I was going to do it on my own and that definitely changed the path that I was headed down. You you talk about it crashing down around you. What what led to it crashing down around you? That when it came out, like when the secret was no longer a secret and I had to admit it, then it was a reality and that's when it really felt like it was too much. So yeah, definitely, you know, the disappointment of my mom and my mentors through FFA and knowing, you know, they had done so much for me to get me kind of to the next level and that wasn't going to happen now. Um, so definitely a moment of feeling that pressure of like, yeah, now what am I going to do? So in that, do you feel in some ways that you let people down, that there was a, almost a failed expectation that that people had on you? Yeah, looking back on that, that was definitely more of me keeping it a secret, I think, was definitely caring, well, how is this going to affect not only myself, but other people? And I think that's a struggle that we all have is, you know, we put those those labels on ourselves or like you said, you know, I'm the best athlete I could ever be or, but that doesn't, we can't keep taking that with us, carrying what others expect of us and so that was a huge part in what happened was the hardest part about being a teen mom for you because I mean realistically you're probably what 18 ish maybe 17 I I don't know I was 19 you were 19 okay Mm -hmm. all right so you're 19 years old you you know you're you're kind of on your own right I know that I know Brayden's dad so I mean I don't want to necessarily talk too much about because he's not here but um but I mean was there some challenges there as far as that goes? I think that there's always challenges with being a new mom. But when you're a young mom, the challenges are definitely harder because you haven't quite grown out of that selfish stage yet. So you're not really ready or equipped to take care of someone else. Um, and so I would say that was definitely the hardest part of of being a young mom was to really lie myself down and recognize that now this is who I was to care for and that's something that's a hard step to make especially when you're 19 and yeah um Brayden's dad was was there and was a part of it and definitely had the same adjustments to make and so I I would say there's there's a selfishness in us when we are young and until we can get past that then raising children is hard. And you mentioned Braden's dad. Uh, this is what's always been wild about not only you, but, but Braden's dad to me, uh, Braden's dad goes to church with us. Braden's, you know, stepmom also goes to church, you know, they're right along with him. And you guys have, have at least from the outside perspective, right? My outside perspective, you guys have not allowed, at least in my mind, any drama perhaps, I don't know, right? Because I'm not on the inner circle of that. But it just appears that you just love him no matter what. And you didn't allow any past, probably history, we'll say, to maybe get in the way of, of still being able to to be there. And to me, to think about, you know, that is, is like, 
I don't know. I just think most people would be like, what? Like they go to church together. Yes, they do. And they're so great together. Right. You still, you know, you still have such a great, I think, connection with Braden's dad. And, and maybe it ha- again, hasn't always been that way, but of late, it seems to be, to be really good. And Braden is a phenomenal young man, by the way. One of my favorite Braden moments is when he drop kicked Gary, a friend of ours uh, in youth group out of the, the jousting pit at a lock-in one time. It was it was amazing, and and Brayden's just a great kid, and you've raised a great kid, and so anyway, I just well, want to share that with you. Yeah, well, thank you. I um, I wouldn't take any of the credit for the relationship that we've gotten to have with his dad and stepmom. I would say all all of that belongs to God, and when you look out into the world and you look at our scenario, um, it's not what you would expect to see. And I don't think that without God at the center of both of our lives um, or Raiden's life, that it would be, we would be able to love him the way that we've loved him. And you're right. There isn't, there isn't the drama. There isn't the, um, the fighting or the push or the pull. I too was um, a child of, of a split home. I was three when my mom and dad divorced. And so there was definitely a lot that came along with that for me in recognizing what I didn't want for Brayden. Um, and so I would say hugely, like that's been one of our components all along is that we want to be in this together. We don't want him to divide us. Did you feel in any way when your parents got divorced, did you feel anything like that was your fault or you had caused anything? I know you're only three, but did you did you feel any of that? I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember life before. It was just my mom and I. Um, but I I definitely remember it being more of a, a disappointment. There was, or not feeling wanted or not, you know, there wasn't ever that I get to be a part of the whole family for me. Um, and so that was something that really stuck out to me. I, I've never struggled with was it my fault. I think I was too young to to recognize that and I've not known it any differently. So did you grow up with no dad or was there a stepdad along the way that comes into the picture? I would say I grew up with no dad. My mom did remarry when I was in kindergarten um, and my stepdad um, was basically traveling most of the time. There were occasions when he was at home, but it wasn't a dad role. Do you feel like that ever affected not having that father figure around, do you think that affected your relationship with God in any way? Figure that you could really look to and, and kind of get guidance from on an earthly level? Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, I've shared that in my testimony. That was a, I was a huge part of my struggle. Um, and part of probably why I, I did end up pregnant was because I was searching for that love and that validation and that really, um, seeking what the world says you need to have as a young woman and so not having a dad definitely played into that but once I had the understanding of who God was um I think that's what I hold on to so so deeply to my core is understanding God as my father yeah I know uh, our good friend Bob who uh, leads worship at our church loves to sing that song good good father, father. Right? right yes and I struggle with that song so much because I didn't always have, you know, that earthly good, good father. And so it's really a struggle for me because, and I've, I've talked to a number of people who have said that didn't have maybe the greatest dad growing up or greatest whatever, you know, father figure in their life that it really kind of 
um, I'll use a word that I've, that I've heard more recently, uh, malformed them, right. In some respects. So that's why I was wondering about that. Do you, you know, that malforming of you that, do you feel like if you had that father figure in your life, would you have maybe made the choices you made? Or I know it's hard to speculate, but. Yeah, I think it is. It is hard to speculate on that. Um, because I never doubted that my dad loved me unconditionally. My dad was just darn good at loving me and making me feel like I was the most important one in the room when I was with him. But I didn't get to be with him all of the time or um, even as often as I should have been with him, not because my mom wouldn't let me, but because I wasn't a priority. Um, and so so the love I definitely knew I had and my stepdad was was an excellent provider and made sure I had opportunities and that I was taken care of. So I think it was more of just seeking that attention is what led me there. And um, I know I've shared that in part of my testimony before is it it really was I was just seeking something to fill me, like to make me feel wanted. And maybe that's more of it. Maybe I didn't necessarily feel like I was wanted by my dad um, or my stepdad because my stepdad, by the time I came into the picture, had grown children and grandchildren. So he'd kind of already been there and done that. Um, so yeah, malformation in that sense, for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering about that too because, you know, for me, thinking back, trying to trying to imagine you know, if I'm putting, you know, myself in your shoes, I'm not sure what shoes we're wearing because you can't decide, whatever. Um, but what I'm wondering about is, is you know, at 19, I can't even imagine, you know, thinking like I'm going to be a parent. Like I, I just, I can't. Like in my mind, I just can't. Like I was such a child in more ways than one, right, of, of at 19, you know, of just trying to think like, man, and Elizabeth and I were together. Like I can't even imagine us like at 19 trying to have a kid. I just, it's just mind boggling to me. So what do you think helped lead to your success uh, in, in a sense, or, or maybe helped get you to where you are now? Maybe success is the wrong word, but, but lead you down the path of where you are now in, in hindsight, looking back again uh, on that journey road, like what do you think along the way helped? Yeah, so you say, thinking about a child at 19, yeah, there's a lot of growing up to still be done at 19, right? I mean, I have an 18-year-old now, <laughs> holy moly, and I just, I can't, ima you know, I can't imagine being 19 and, and going back there again, um, but the moment, the moment that they let me hold him, I knew this was my purpose. And I didn't know Jesus then. I didn't have that. Um, I didn't have the Holy Spirit guiding me. I didn't have, I wasn't equipped. I didn't, I didn't have any of that. But in that moment, it was me and him and nothing else really mattered. So what led me to where I am today is a lot of people along the way um, that were willing to sacrifice that were willing to um point me back or to be a, a good role model um it wasn't until he was he was three when Lance and I got married um and then 
you know, Lance and I just coming together and having that understanding, like Lance has never treated him differently. It's never been a question. Um, that was just something we kind of fell into. So I would say along the way, what's gotten us to where we are is having relationships and being willing to allow people to speak into our life. I, I just think that's so powerful because for me, uh, you know, I, I've had friends say along the way when they were in high school and, you know, it found out that the, the girl or, you know, the guy was going to, you know, have a baby or, you know, whatever. I thought they were crazy. You know, I had a, f- a couple of friends that, that in high school got ended up getting pregnant and or had some scares or, you know, whatever it may be. And, and I always thought to myself, I thought, man, you know, it, it's so easy to, especially nowadays, and I know abortion is such a hot button topic for some people that that seems to be the easy way out. And I'm going to say that. It's my show. I can say that, right? I feel like abortion may be the easy way out. But I've also sat with, and I know you know this guy, Terrell, right? Terrell's parents, you know, different circumstance, but, you know, he had some health issues and they ended up giving him up for adoption. So my question to you is, is anywhere along the way was abortion on the table or even adoption ever on the table for you? I, I don't know that abortion was ever on the table for me. Like, in my core, that's wrong. And I think we can all say in those moments of not wanting, when it's when it's made as easy as it is today, that's what's hard for me to wrap my brain around now, looking at it now, is it's, it's too easy to make that decision in a rash moment. And... N- that was never on the table because it's a life. And and even if I didn't have God in that moment telling me that it was wrong, I knew in my core being that that was wrong. Adoption um, was maybe on the table. Um, there were definitely family members that had said that they would be willing to um, raise him. But again, in that moment, nothing, there were no other options. So I think that there's there's knowing and then thinking them. There's a difference between following through on those actions or those thoughts, I guess, making them actions. So I'm going to tread lightly here. I know you're Team Elizabeth, which, you know, this could have gone differently if you were Team Neil. I'm just saying this could have gone totally different if you'd have picked Team Neil. But, you know, I don't know how old you are now, and I'm not asking. I can guess. You can do the math. I can do the I math. S- I said, how old are Exactly, is? right? I can do the math. My wife does the math, so she'll she'll let me know later. But but thinking back, like if somehow you could time travel, right? I don't know if you're a big sci-fi fan, you know, Back to no. the Future, you know, this, the DeLorean. No? So analogy is totally wasted on you? All right. So you do know time traveling, right? You, people can go back in time. You, you're familiar with that. Okay. All right. So I'm tracking. You're tracking. So that's good. So going back in time. Somehow you you run into your 19-year-old self at Crater High School, right? In between, you know, math class and, I don't know, PE, whatever you were taking back then. Maybe it's the FFA meeting. I don't know. Is there any any advice you would give to that young Nicole in that moment? And, and would she listen to it, do you feel like? <laughs> young Nicole was not good at listening to advice, <laughs> so I'm going to say no. Um, I would not listen to that advice. Um, well, first off, what would you give her? I know it's weird to talk like third person, like hyperdimensional, like three-way 
portals and all this other wormhole stuff, black holes. I don't know. I'm just making up words now, but. Yeah, I think, I don't know, Neil, that's a great question. What advice would I give young Nicole? I don't know if it's advice, Neil, but it would, I would simply say, you know, it's going to, it's going to be all right. And, um, there's that song, I can't think of the name of it right now, but it says, you know, it kind of refers back to like the younger me, if I could go back and, and change the younger me. Yeah, it's a Mercy Me song. Dear Younger Me is actually the yes. song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've thought about that. I've thought, you know, what would I say? What would I do differently? But all of it led me to where I am now and who I am now. And there were hard, hard, hard moments along the way. But if I had kept going on the path that I was going without that, um, I don't, I don't know what that would have looked like for me, if that makes any sense. So if you didn't make that, the, the fancy word now, another buzzword, right? We said, you know, episode dropping, you know, the other buzzword is pivot, right? If you didn't pivot, perhaps in your life, do you ever, and I, and I, I don't know, I, I hate talking what ifs because in speculations, cause it's so easy to be like, well, you know, I can't really say that cause it's hypothetical, but, but I have thought about from time to time, like if Elizabeth doesn't come into my life, where's my life at now? Right. Um, you know, key moments, key people that have come into my life that have really poured in you know, I do think of your husband, Lance, because he's an amazing, you know, guy too. You know, he's been part of my journey and part of where I am now and really your whole, you know, extended family. I love those guys and gals. But I, I do sometimes wonder, like, if I didn't make that one choice, if I didn't pivot, right, take the right turn when I should have taken the left turn, whatever it may be. But I, I, I do wonder sometimes, like, what would have happened? I mean, have you ever sat back and thought back to that? I know, I know we're talking hypothetical, but I mean, you could have easily said, I, again, if we're doing that time travel thing, you, you could have gone back to your old self and said, listen, it's going to be okay. Like he's going to be 18 and he's going to be this amazing young man. And, and you're going to be so proud of him right now. It's really going to suck. Maybe you didn't use the word suck. I don't know, but, but it's going to be terrible. It's going to be hard times, but, but take, you know, hope or have this hope that, you know, this is going to happen. I don't know. Maybe I'm way off base. Yeah, Neil, I think the only thing that maybe I needed to hear then was was the gospel. If I'm being com- like completely transparent in that moment, there's there's no hope without the gospel and more desperately than any advice or anything that anyone could have said to me in those moments um because I wasn't completely on my own. I have, I have family that was there. Um, and like you said, his dad was still, was still a part and it was hard and it, it wasn't, um, what I, what I necessarily would want to have to walk through. But at the same time, like you said, go back and, and take that pivot and see what happens next. I haven't sat and thought about that because somebody once said to me, the past is my past. And if they don't get to talk about it anymore because Jesus has redeemed my past, then I don't get to talk about it anymore. So I want to remember that my, my job that God has given me is to point Braden towards Jesus and constantly remind him that he was a gift to me, that maybe not in that moment that was out of my sin and out of my rebellion that I got him, but that he was a gift and 
that is what has gotten me to where I am now. You talk about, first off, that was amazing. I love that answer, uh, just for the record. Um, you talk about, in that moment, you really needed to hear the gospel. You really needed to hear that Jesus died for you, right? That, that yes, this is sin. You know, this this birth is sin. But, but he wants to give you a new life and a new birth, right, in him. That's kind of the gospel in a, uh-huh. in a sense, right? Um, but what I'm wondering about in that moment, going back to, again, going back to that young Nicole, would she have been open at all to the gospel of, of hearing it? Because I'm sure you'd been around people, church people, right? I'm sure somebody had shared, Jesus loves you, Nicole, and then he died for you, right? Somebody had shared the gospel with you to that point. I, I hope. Please tell me that's not true or true. I don't know. Um. Well, I'm going to have to burst your bubble, Neil. But um, no, I hadn't, I hadn't genuinely been told the gospel. I hadn't been told that Jesus died for my sins and that he wanted me to be born again and made new. Um, I had, I had dabbled, I guess you would say, in a church setting, um, and at 16 had sat in a church service and they did an altar call and the message was on being left behind and I was scared. Um, and so I got right down there in that line and got in that water and came up out of that water and, you know, got a towel and wore my wet clothes home. And guess what? Nothing in my life changed. And, um, I know I had some friends who attended church and the bracelets, the WWJD bracelets were huge then. Um, and so I got one, but I had no idea what that stood for. If I was being completely like, I don't know, there are letters on a bracelet and everybody's got one. So I've got one too. So no, I hadn't heard, um, the true gospel. I hadn't heard that, that I could be forgiven for, for my mess that, that was my life at that time. And, um, I always say I was an excellent liar I was, it's not something that I want to give glory to because that is not my heart on that. But I was, I was a good liar. And that is what led to a lot of the deceit and the deception that I was able to kind of keep things on the down low, I guess, which is part of um, me not walking and the pregnancy being hidden for so long and just kind of that fear of disappointment again. But I think if I had been, if I had known that I had a place to begin again, that would have been different. Wow. Yeah, that just blew my mind a lot, actually, <laughs> if I'm being honest, right? Okay, uh, yeah. Because to me, I'm thinking, you know, that that if somebody had just shared, potentially, right? There's no guarantee, but, but maybe. If somebody had just shared, life would have maybe been a whole lot different for you. Maybe. Who's to say? Who's to say? Who's to say, right. So I'm, I'm wondering about this too, because you, you mentioned that you're really good at deceiving people, really good at lying, right? Really good at hiding things. And it almost seems like growing up, you really had this like idea and this image that, you know, you had to fit in, you had to belong, right? Mm-hmm. And so now the flip side of that, you come to Christ. Do you think there's still that, uh, that, uh, that uh, maybe hunger in your heart that people fit in, that people belong, that people find a sense of, of peace almost, if you're following me on that. 
when you come to Christ? Well, not only when they, when, when they come to Christ, but, but for you, when you're encountering somebody and you see that somebody is clearly hurting, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody is clearly hiding, right? Behind whatever mask or disguise that they may try to put on. You're probably really good at reading people, I would imagine, too, right? Because you kind of kind of know how to do that, I would imagine. My kids really don't like that <laughs> because I always tell them that I I was a better liar than you will ever be. And so, yes, I can I can definitely can, discern can and spot the fraud. I can spot the fraud. Okay, yes. there's another way, but we'll stick with spot Let's, the spot the fraud, right? Okay, we'll stick with that. So, in that, you know. I'm wondering if, if that's helped you in any way in not only being able to minister to not only, I'm, I'm thinking young women probably are in your wheelhouse of mentoring young women. I know you, you know, you have a younger sister and, and things like that. So I guess what I'm wondering is, as weird as it sounds, do you think those skills have helped you be a better human being and a better person? As weird as that might sound. The skills that were my sinful nature? Correct. Yes. As weird as that, again, as weird yeah. as that sounds. No, I think that um, God uses everything. And what I walked through and who I was before absolutely has helped me. Um, like you said, wanting to belong. It's hard to come and sit in church service. And like you said, what what's everybody see? That, that desire to be perfect, right? Nicole's got it all together. And look at her family. and and But knowing that they want to belong to and if they're hurting in those ways or if they're hiding then I have a place to speak into their life and just as you do with the hurts that you've gone through and so absolutely I think that God uses the hard spots in our life and our past to to redeem others to that I would share the gospel with someone else yeah I I again I I think there's just this idea that so many times, whether it be, you know, a church leader or whoever it may be, that their life is just so perfect, that they have it all together, that that, that, that their kids behave perfectly. Yeah, unfortunately, I think that that's, um, that's that persona, you know, the outside world looking in. And um, we're just people that are faithful and that God has called us into these positions. There's nothing perfect about us. And we, I really am striving to be more like Jesus every day. And that's the best that I can do. But please don't base it off of how my kids behave or, or, you know, my, my daily life because it can be a mess. I love your kids. I mentioned that already. Uh, Jack is in my Sunday school class, and he is fantastic. Of course, Jack did bite me once when he was younger, but Brayden and I were wrestling wrestling around, and I think Gary was involved as well, and so Jack might have been on the bottom of the dog pile, and so I got bit consequently, so there's that. But I, I'm, I've forgiven him. I still love him. You know, I don't treat him differently in Sunday school because he's he's bitten me. I'm just I want to put that out there to publicly to be known. So, so uh, a couple more questions as we begin to wrap up. But what do you think the hardest part about being not, not only a mom in general, but but I think and as weird as it sounds, I, I not that there's a difference. Maybe there is, but but as a boy mom, do you think it's a little bit harder being a boy mom than maybe a girl mom? I don't know because I'm not a mom. Yeah, I don't know, Neil. Um, Lance's grandma 
she had seven children and the first five were boys and the last two were girls and I remember her telling me that she would take all five of her boys again to one of those girls and so um I don't know what it's like to be a girl mom I would say the hardest part of being a boy mom is not always understanding their thought process um I like to talk things out. I like to have resolution. I like to have, you know, kind of a whole conversation per se. And they're not um, always up for that. They don't need a lot of words. And you know my husband. My husband doesn't necessarily need a lot of words either. So I would say the hardest part of being a boy mom is learning how to communicate with them and to love them. Um, learning that along the way that that might that might look differently for them all of my boys I'm very thankful for still will give me hugs and and you know that I can encourage them that way because sometimes we're not able to communicate the same way so just figuring that out um it's definitely very different all right I love that Uh, and that your boys still hug you. That that actually warms my heart a little bit that, you know, you got big old Braden over there still giving some hugs. So that's that's good yes, stuff. Yes, me too. That's good me stuff. Uh, and Lance, yes, is a man of very few words. I think it's just in his DNA. I think it's just you got to know that family. But I'm wondering about this too for you uh, because for me there have been times that I've really struggled with in, in, in my faith, there's really times I've struggled with, you know, really knowing Jesus very intimately, you know, some would say. So I'm wondering for you, what's the hardest part for you about really believing in Jesus? That is an excellent question. I don't know if I've sat and thought about that for a long time. I don't have a hard time believing in Jesus. I never have. That has come easily for me. I thank God all of the time for that gift of faith where I I genuinely trust. Um, but I think it goes back to that question you asked me, Neil, about how did my how did my dad malform me? And I remember during a very hard conversation, a very hurtful conversation, when I was a young new believer, and a young mom in in life was already kind of hard, right? I remember being challenged on my faith, and in that conversation. I said, I have to be able to go to God's word and read it and know that it's concrete because nothing in my life ever has been. And knowing that that is and it can be proven is what keeps me believing. I can see it and I can feel it. And when I'm in the church, I can see how God has changed people's lives or lives and that makes it real. Yeah, I, I, again, I think that's such an amazing answer because for me, and, and again, I know it's not necessarily my perspective, but uh, it's so hard, I think, sometimes for those that don't believe because they're like, well, you know, if God's anything like my dad, I don't want anything to do with him. And I, I really think that's what the major struggle, I think, churches, not necessarily our church, but churches in general, or maybe even people of faith struggle with is they think, well, I don't want anything to do with God because if he's anything like my dad, no thanks. I'm out, I'm out. Right. But I love the fact that you didn't allow that, you know, defining moment in your life with your dad to really kind of push you away from God. Cause it could have easily gone that way. Right. I would imagine. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it could have, it could have been a stumbling block for me and along the way, I'm not going to say that it hasn't. Um, 
but like I said, I knew my dad loved me. It was it was more of a priority thing. Um, and so my dad was not a man of faith and definitely made that very known um, as far as science and stars and things like that. And so I think, yeah, when we look at those who are coming into the church, um, they can really have a hard time with understanding that that concept or getting past old hurts, right? That they can't really understand how God could accept them or how God could love them because of how hard-handed or um, unavailable their dad was. That I've heard a lot. And and that is hard to answer to. Yeah. So I want to ask you uh, one last question then, and then just kind of a funny question, perhaps. So you get three boys there's very three different personalities I'm guessing I'm just imagining right right okay so what would you say your greatest hope for the three boys are my greatest hope yeah I mean I would say dream but you know dream seems like too you know yeah but but hope I feel is like solid like you know what I mean yes my greatest hope is that they have the love of God in their hearts and they um, lead their families in that way, that they would find godly women to come alongside of them so that they too um, could continue generational faith. Um, I tell them all the time that your worldly success is nothing if, if God isn't first. And so that's always my prayer and my hope is that it doesn't, it doesn't become because of my faith, but because of their own faith that they follow God. You kind of got a little emotional on that one. How come? So when I told you that when they put Brayden in my arms, that was my purpose, um, I know that's not my purpose now. Like in my walk with Christ, my purpose is to make disciples who make disciples, right? But um, they're my first ministry. They're my They're my disciples. And so I get... I get emotional about that because I see so many times um, wayward children and the world has a way of taking our kids once they get to that age and just twisting them. And that for me is an emotional moment to think that I'm going to have to let them go and that they would genuinely hold on to God on their own. Uh, that's. I think that's only a mother's heart right there, right? I mean, it could be a dad's heart, but I feel like mothers are more nurturing in that respect. So, and maybe, maybe I'm dogging on dads a little bit, but I am one. Maybe, maybe dads wouldn't be as emotional about it. Perhaps, yeah. So, think about how long have you been a children's minister pastor? I, I think you carry that title, right? Children's ministry pastor, right? Did I get that right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So, how long have you been doing that? I've been on staff nine years in August. Nine years. Okay, so imagine somehow we make this happen. Over the last nine years, we somehow get these children that you've had an opportunity to minister to, be around, you know, pour into, whatever you want to say. And somehow we get all nine years of children and, and somehow they are able to fill the capacity of, of Oregon State Research Stadium, which, by the way, I Googled because I wasn't sure the seating capacity. I know they don't play a lot of football there. That's just a joke because, you know, anyway, it's just a beaver joke. But, but Wasted on me, but Probably okay. wasted on you, but that's more for, you know, 
your family. So, um, but in the capacity of research stadium is 45,674 people. So wow. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. That watch a lot of bad Oregon state games. Yeah. So, um, that's again for, for your family, but, uh, but somehow we were able to get nine years of children into that stadium. Now, obviously nine years have passed, right? So they're not maybe where they were in that same stage of life. So we don't know age wise where they are. I mean, they could be anywhere from, let's say five to, you know, 18, who knows, right? Right. But you're on the 50 yard line. I hand you that same microphone that you're talking into right now. And you have this moment right now to talk to those children that you've had to minister to these last nine years. What on earth would you say to them? Mm. Again, we don't know where they are in stages of life. We don't know what their faith background is. We we don't know. They're just there. They have been somehow a part of the church over the last nine years in the children's ministry program. And they heard that you were speaking. And they're like, oh, we got to come here, Nicole, what she's going to tell us. I think, Neil, I would have to tell them the same thing that I hope I tell them week in and week out. That they are loved by God. That they are forgiven by God, that um, they are sinful. We are all sinful, but that we have a place to begin again and that they need to be home if they're not. Because I know that in nine years, there's a lot that have, have gone as well. And there's a lot that are in adulthood. So I would hope that in that moment, my message is the same as it is week in and week out. Which is come home? Which is God loves you. Okay. And that they they need to know that truth, that they have a place to begin again, and that um, they would build that faith foundation that they continue to do by knowing his word. Yeah, I I just think that's such a powerful statement to make. Like I I I mean, being one that grew up in the church too, and I've had my fair share of of youth pass through my life and and through, you know, my experience and my my hands, if you will. Um, I I don't know what I I like. I would be tongue tied in that moment. I'm glad that you're so eloquent in that moment because I think I would probably be a little tongue tied. Like, well, here's the five steps that you need to do to you know. But but you were so good in that. I love that. So, uh, it's only fitting that you know, being a children's minister, that we play a game because kids love to play games, right? Right. All right. So you got to help me with this one first. So how many senses do we have? Six. Six? Are you sure? You sure on that mm, one? Pretty All sure. Right. Women probably have six, but I'm going to hand you this cup because this is so what's cool is we could do this like face to face because you're in the living room. Okay. So you're going to roll that. There's a die inside there. I, I've been calling it a dice and then our good friend Anna, uh, who was- uh, You on only have one. Past episode. That's what she corrected me. She said, you need mm-hmm. to stop saying dice and you need to start saying die. So I'm like, thanks, Anna. Because there's just one. For the correction. Yep. Exactly right. So- Roll that and then uh, see what number you get. What number did you get? I can't say. I have a five. You got a five? Fives are fun. We like fives. Fives are in my family. Fives are in your family. So here's the thing, because I think you like to bake, don't you? Mm-hmm. You're pretty good at baking. Or do you like to bake? All right. So favorite thing to taste? Favorite thing to taste. Well, it's a sad story, Neil. 
because I love ice cream, but my stomach doesn't love dairy. So my favorite thing to taste is ice cream, but I don't get to have it anymore. Is there a certain flavor? Oh, any flavor of ice cream? You're not like flavor, you know, biased or anything? Mm, no. It doesn't matter if it's cookies and cream. It doesn't matter if it's like plain old vanilla or Rocky Road sherbet. I don't know. Rocky Road would be my Rocky Road would be my favorite. It is. Wow, look at that. I guessed it. Yeah, but any of those works too. Yeah, so I'm gonna embarrass my wife right now because that's fun to do, right? She she doesn't <laughs> like nuts, so she eats Rocky Road ice cream and spits out the nuts when she was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Fun story there. So I'll get in trouble for that one later. Nah. But, you know, there's that. So, Good to know. So, Nicole, I just want to give you one last opportunity to just say whatever is in your heart right now for anyone that might be listening that that has heard your story. It really feels like, you know what? What she was saying really resonated with me. What she was really saying really spoke to me. But maybe for those that are on the fence that are like, really? Come on, Nicole. It wasn't really that bad, maybe. Or, you know, come on. It it. it, it you just maybe are being dramatic, which if people know you, you're not dramatic. That is not a word Thanks, that Neil. would ever describe you, by the way, is you're non-dramatic. Me, on the other hand, well, there's another story there. But but I want to give you this moment right now to, to just say, to, to maybe speak to whoever you want to speak to. I don't know who it is, but but maybe there's something in your heart that you want to share with anyone that might be listening about you and just about maybe who you are and, and maybe even how much Jesus means to you, if that helps. Yeah, I think the first thing I would say is that if you are hiding, find someone safe and quit hiding because it is harder to do it on your own in the dark than it is to do it together in the light. So that would be the first thing I would want people to say. Um, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Jesus is why I am where I am today. Jesus is everything that you've spoken of, Neil, the reason um, that I've been happily married for as long as I've been happily married, the reason that I have an amazing relationship with my family, my extended family, um, the reason that I have the testimony that I have or the relationship with Jason and Molly, um, and that is who he is for me. Um, And I don't ever want my message to get in the way of his message, which is that he died on the cross for all of our sins so that we could be redeemed and made new and made right with God. It was beautiful. Just to help Jason and Molly, those are, that's Brayden's dad and his stepmom. We had done pretty good at not putting their names out there. We did, but you know, they're going to hear it. I think they'll be okay. They'll be okay. We'll we'll get a signed disclosure agreement. (laughs) I think I did tell Molly I was sitting with you and she was super excited. She okay. goes, oh, that's so great. Okay. I was like, will you listen, Molly? She's like, yeah, I might. And then she kind of winked at me. So I'm not sure that might be an extra download for it perhaps. But, but Nicole, I just want to say thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I really love the fact that not only did we get not only your heart, but I really feel like, which I always love, we get the heart of a mom. Because mm-hmm. as I was saying, like, Nothing against dads, because I am one, but I can kind of dog on dads a little bit every now and then. There's nothing more powerful, maybe than the heart of God, second only, really, in my mind, is the heart of a mom. I mean, because one of my favorite passages in Scripture 
is when they're talking about the birth of Jesus and they're talking about Mary and she says she, she took all of these things and treasured them in her heart. Mm-hmm. I, I really want to find out like, like what did that mean for her to really treasure them in her heart? And honestly, not to put you on the level of Mary, cause you know, you're just Nicole. But when I was hearing you talk about Braden and, and, them putting him in your arms it really made me think back to that scripture like i really felt like i got a glimpse of maybe perhaps what mary went through so i just wanted to share that with you so i don't know if it gives you any comfort but it's trying to anyway well thanks neil thanks for having me absolutely and we'll just have to find you a really good pair of shoes okay i'll let that be your job (laughs) i will do my best i just want to wrap up today with with just a little thought for you are you treasuring the things in your heart like Nicole has done? Are you Have you really taken survey of the amazing things that you've been able to be a part of? Okay, take a moment and do that. But right now, I also want you to think about what she said, that charge, which I always love when people do like a little charge at the end. And that's that. Like, what are you hiding from? What are you really hiding Thank from? Thank you so much for joining are us. Are you hiding those treasures so you know I'm your host, Neil Matthews? Want to thank you again for joining are. us this week. Well, I am so excited that, that we got chance. a chance to sit down oh, with wow, Nicole today. Amazing. I don't know about anybody else, but I really walked away I mean, just a thought, maybe with really like this here, treasure trove. I just want to thank you so much for listening and just, of course, invite you right back here next week. Next Wednesday, specifically, we do all of this again. And just remember this, when we walk in other people's shoes, we really do. Get a different That's a very compelling again, story. Thank you so much for listening. Fact. Stay tuned until next week. She has that mother's heart. I really love that as well. So hopefully you got some enjoyment out of that. And if you did, would you consider sharing it with a friend that you may know that is a mom that might be struggling in some respects or maybe even a single mom that's battling that battle? If you would be willing, just share it with them. Love that a lot. Speaking of loving things a lot, you guys know this if you've hung around the show long enough that I love my Tar Heels. I love it. I love it when I get a chance to talk to somebody from North Carolina. In fact, here's a little sneak peek of next week's episode. In fact, little little nuance to this. Former NFL player. Here's a little sneak peek. I would tell them this. You have to believe it before you see it. Everything in life that you, you know, that you want to get, that you want to see, that job, that income, that home, that you want to see it and you want to actually make it reality, you have to believe it first. If you don't believe in yourself and your vision and where you're going in life, it's never going to work. That is right. We're going to be sitting down with a former NFL player. I'm super excited. Courtesy of my good friend, Raina Rose, sent me this gentleman. And let me tell you, this is an amazing episode. We talk football. We talk life. We talk about purpose. We talk about all kinds of stuff. And here's the wacky part. The gentleman that we're going to have next week has a very impactful story that you are not going to want to miss. So I want to call your attention back to that. That, of course, will take place on Wednesday. So please make time to join me then. Of course, you know how to get in touch with me, OPSpodcast.com. You can leave a voicemail straight from the website or you can hit that connections tab. Leave a little doobly-doo there. Love to reach out to you there as well. And of course, on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, hopefully you're following us, liking us, and tweeting us there at OPS Podcast Show. And until next week, just remember this, 
Remember, when you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life. Again, thank you so much for listening and stay tuned until next week when we walk in other people's shoes.